people need to be able to think, speak, and act without self-restraint. As an academic scientist, I have had the privilege of working with prescient giants in the field, such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Zev Zelenko, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, and Dr. Harvey Reich. This is America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome to my Liberty Hour. I am Dr. Paul Alexander. Hi, welcome to this segment of uh, America Out Loud Talk Radio with Dr. Paul Alexander. And this is the Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour. Thank you very much again for uh, coming on and, um, and listening to our efforts to, uh, to fight against the tyranny and the work culture and the censoring and the canceling. And we owe a lot of, a, a lot of appreciation to Malcolm at America Out Loud Talk Radio. Um, Malcolm is uh, very different than most other platforms and people in this fight. He's been here from day one, even before. And uh, America Out Loud has been critical to help him get, to help help inform the population. So um, huge praise and props to Malcolm. And uh, what you could hear my, uh, my talk shows, they go to podcast the day after. And uh, you can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. And, um, well, you know, we want to, any, any kind of support you could give America Out Loud, as well as myself. Don't forget my, my blog, my daily Substack. Uh, the title is, if you Google it, it's Alexander COVID News. And if you want to support me in any way, please go to Zell, Z-E-L-L-E. And the email address, if you want to send some support, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever, it's at uh, sr7283 at gmail.com. That is S is in Sam, R is in Rebecca, 7283 at gmail.com. So uh, there are several things I wanted to talk about today, you know, and um, I guess if we looked at it at a 50,000 foot level um, in the United States right now, you know, there's this, uh, there's this game that's being played with the debt ceiling. And uh, what's my view? My view is McCarthy and uh, these people, um, Chuck Schumer and all of it, they're playing a game. Uh, Biden et al., they're playing a game. They know they've already agreed upon. They, these are crooks. These people in the House and the Senate are thieves. Whether they're Republican or, or Democrat, high-crime bandits, I call them. They've always been. Yes, they have a few good ones. The Jim Jordans of this world. Um, uh, uh, there are some good senators in there. You know them. Um, Ron Johnson. But by and large, these people belong to one party and, and, and they worked against President Trump. They work against the American people. They, they only work for their pocket, their families, their friends. They embezzle the taxpayers' money. And when you have budgets of trillions of dollars being put out, millions and billions and tens of millions and billions are like rounding errors. You can't even find those mistakes. They have ways of enriching and embezzling themselves. If you ever wanted to investigate serious crime, investigate the House and the, Con and, and the Senate and see where the money is and be prepared to imprison them. Anyway, that's my view. Um, what I wanted to talk about is some key issues, you know, now 
with Tucker, Tucker out of Fox, you know, they're juggling around trying to put, I think they put Hannity now at the 8 p.m. prime time hour. Let's see how Hannity, I fell off the Hannity train about two years ago. I think he, he's often uninformed. Uh, he repeats himself. He was too much in the bucket for Trump in the sense that he couldn't be a bigger supporter of Trump than me. But he would not ask Trump proper questions. And that was wrong. The same way I go after CNN and these people, I could go after Fox too. Not because I, I, I identify as someone right of center, a conservative or whatever. Fox News is as corrupt as CNN. And uh, Hannity's ridiculous with, with, with how he covers Trump. And um, to me, he has no credibility. So anyway, uh, what I wanted to talk to you about today is... Uh, you know, some stories that I think uh, are on the, um, uh, on the front page. We have this major, major fentanyl crisis, as you know. And it's a big problem because the reality is when they talk about Title 42, what is, what is to me outrageous about it is, is that my orchestra would come on and Biden and whomever and say, well, okay, well, there's a surge, there's, there's a, a hundreds of thousands at the border and um, uh, the number is down by a few thousand. I mean, the most ridiculous aspect of it is that no one talks about stopping it. That's the point. You have to be telling us how you're gonna stop it. Don't tell us how many people come in. Like, like that's the new story. Oh, there are 50,000 more marching. We don't need, you, what you needed to tell us is we've deployed the U.S. military with heavy arsenal on the border, on top of all of those fences, with actual live ammunition even. Sorry, I'm, I'm, being a, I'm a blunt person. You know why? Because in those 50,000 that are marching right now as we speak, or 100,000 or however, however, how much, they are rapists, they are murderers, they are Marisalva Chutra, MS-13, um, Sinaloa, there are all these different gangs, um, uh, drug cartel people. They are jihadists. When you saw that show, Sicario, I mean, that, that's not just a movie. That, that is actual reality they showed you. We have Islamists, jihadists, radical Muslim males, military age, 18, 19, 20, 22, 30, coming up to the southern border now, disguised as Latino men because their skins are darker, they're shaving their beard, they're dressing Latino. Then when they get to the border, they're telling the border people, the border officials, that they're 12 and 14 years old. And the stupid border officials know that they're lying, but they get papers from them on to move forward. They have papers telling you that they're 14 years old. And then these beasts, these murderers get put into your, the classroom with your 14-year-old daughter with the intent only to fondle and rape her. That's the intent, as well as kill Americans. That's what Obama was doing with Biden during the Obama administration. He was invading America. I am saying it this way. The Biden administration, the president of the United States is invading America. You heard it the way I just said it. America is being invaded by its own government. That's a very serious issue because let's be blunt. 
Muslim people have 21 children. I don't care who gets offended. I'm saying what's a fact. When we talk about jihad by immigration or jihad by invasion, that's what we mean. They will breed America out, like how they're breeding UK out and breeding Italy. Hopefully, Melanie to put a stop. But you can't you can't respond to that because the American people having at an average 0.9 of a child to a family. How you could compete in time numerically with people who have 10, 12 children, and you can see it on the road. You can see it. So it's a serious issue. But on the border right now, we have jihad, we have Chinese. We have Chinese now, it's a surprising demographic. Besides the jihadists I'm talking about, we have Chinese coming up, men, through the southern border. How come? How come? Can, are those Chinese actual police from China or military disguised as illegals? And they're coming in, getting their temporary papers to come back for the hearings or whatever they do. But now they're inside, and suppose they're forming groups, militias, etc., inside America. You have to be able to think like that today. Because the world is not a good place anymore. Well, actually, it wasn't for a long time. From the time of Ted Kennedy, the lion of the Senate, they call him. These people crafted bills to allow the flooding of America. Biden and Obama damaged America with Kashfin Malik, remember? She killed 11 or 12 elderly people. Omar, the one who killed the 15 in Pulse nightclub. This is jihad. Remember the um, Bataclan nightclub in France about five, seven years ago? They killed about 135 people in that dance club. I think it was 10 or 11 terrorists. All of them were from Syria. All of them were refugees. All of them were radicalized. They did people and things in the Bataclan that remains monstrous today that we still can't talk about. These refugees <clears throat> from Islamic countries, North Africa, Tunisia, Morocco, Yemen, Syria, they took knives and stabbed the woman in their vaginas, in their genitalia repeatedly. This is after they used the knives to disembowel them, alive. They disembowel the males on the second floor of the Bataclan. Go back and read it. They didn't report it properly, but now they have people who are leaking it out. They disembowel the males and they cut out their balls and they stuff their balls in their mouths disembowel alive. These are evil people, and this is what is coming up in the southern border from Mexico. With that, the key issue I was going to cover is the fentanyl. We have a serious problem. Remember, the precursors to fentanyl come from Wuhan, China, the same place, quote unquote, that is the origin of the COVID virus, Wuhan. The fentanyl is devastating because <clears throat> you already know how much more addictive 
it is and how, how much more catastrophic <clears throat> than like morphine, etc. But when they take the precursors, Wuhan, China is shipping that out. I believe China is attacking America with chemical warfare. We've been invaded by Islamists. We've been attacked by China with chemical warfare via fentanyl. They're sending you precursors. It's been assembled in Mexico into fentanyl tablets, whatever. And that's what's coming up with illegals. 100,000 Americans dying every year. Now we have new data showing us that infants, pediatric populations dying. Because what people don't understand is you don't need to use the fentanyl. You just need to be near somebody who's used it. And one grain aerosolized and it's so fine and so light and you breathe that in, you are going into shock. And you will die unless somebody has a, has a naloxone um, uh, shot to get you out of the crisis because you will die. We have another drug coming up to southern border called um, xylazine. Street name is Trunk, T-R-A-N-Q. Even more potent than fentanyl, if you could have thought about that. Mixing with fentanyl. We have another offshoot of fentanyl, the real mother of all bombs. It's called carfentanyl. C-A-R-F-E-N-T-A-N-Y-L. Carfentanyl. Carfentanyl is what zookeepers and hunters use to tranquilize and to put down massive game like elephants, hippopotamus, because nothing else, not even bullets from guns would stop them. But you put some car fentanyl on the tip of a spear or some device, and you just touch the skin of that hide, alligators, it will kill them. That is what we are snorting now and what we are ingesting. So we have serious problems. And while we have that problem, the Biden administration allowing spy balloons to fly over the country, shoot them down after three days of, of taking photos of all of our military installations, right? We have the Biden administration focus on transgender and transgender bathrooms and giving rights to drag queens. That's what we have ISIS and they in um is in uh, uh in Iraq, in Syria, and in these places, sitting down plotting, making bombs every day, trying to figure out ways to blow up between Israel and America. Trying to find ways how to cut off your head. But we worried about Johnny using the girl bathroom. And Johnny's a boy with a penis who wants to rape girls. We're trying to tell you that Johnny's really a girl. Yet Johnny walking about with a big penis. And that's what they're trying to tell you. I look at all the transgender people, all of them, all, everyone from Jude Bruce Jenner all the way as would-be rapists and pedophiles. If they had the way and could get in a room unnoticed with little boys, they would rape them. Those pedophiles. Transgender people are really men. Men who like gay sex. Men with penises who like anal sex. They like sex in the anus. But they're afraid. They're ashamed. 
So they don't want you to, they don't want to say it. So they, they, they figure out a way. We will say we are really women. So we can still engage in sex with the men because we are the women. Yet it's anal sex. They are perverts. Sick, sick bastards. And all those who perpetrating that to me is to put them in jail. Any parent, any work parent, or wannabe tolerant parent, put you in jail. They should take your children away from you to take five-year-old Johnny watching this man swinging on a pole with his balls hanging out of his, of his pants. Transgender. Freak. Anyway, I, I, I don't want to get too upset today. So I wanted to open light. And I uh, remind you that once again, you're listening to America Out Loud as we end this segment, talk radio show. And, um, you know, uh, big praise to Malcolm. I want to ask you again to support Malcolm America Out Loud. Support me. Go to my blog, Alexander COVID News. It's free. You could pay the yearly subscription of 29 bucks if you, if you would like, but it's free. So please join. You get a lot of good info. Go, to, go on, uh, help me financially at Zell, sr7283 at gmail.com. Remember, I wrote that book, Presidential Takedown. You can get it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And uh, don't forget, I, I provide support to the wellness company, twc.health. That's twc.health for a range of nutrition. Thank you. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com. Seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back. Welcome back to uh, the second segment of the America Out Loud Talk radio show, Dr. Paul Alexander's Liberty Hour. And I want to get straight into issues. Um, first of all, I want to remind you that uh, Dr. Ramin Osqui, he's a cardiologist from Foxhall, Foxhall Cardiology in, um, in Washington, D.C. and Virginia. Uh, he, um, he appeared on Fox News with myself, Rish, McCullough, Stephen Smith, Macari, et cetera, Berenson. And Laura would rotate us. Uh, she referred to us as her... Um, medicine chest, medicine cabinet. And she would rotate us at night so that um, on Fox, one of us every night or sometimes in pairs. So we could deal with all of the COVID issues. And um, well, Ramen was one of them behind the scenes. He was 
anti-lockdown. He was against the vaccine. Brilliant cardiologist. And I became very good friends with him. Um, I would go to Washington and Virginia with my family, my wife, my daughter, and um, we would see him in, in, in restaurants that he liked to discuss politics at the moment, the elections, COVID, everything wrong. He was probably one of the most well-connected people in government in the United States. Across. His father worked for the CIA, and that's all I'll say. And, uh, but he was a cardiologist who was big on early treatment. He helped write that paper that we wrote, the initial treatment algorithm. And um, well, he died. He suddenly died. And uh, there's a lot of talk about aneurysm, et cetera. There's talk about nefarious action because of who he was and what he said. Truth be told that um, he did not get vaccinated, he told me. He sent his two daughters outside of America to ensure that they didn't have to do one. They didn't have to take the vaccine. You know? And... Um, it's a very tragic situation, and um, well, I, 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 for one, have grew to know him. We became very good personal friends, and anytime uh, he wanted to have a dinner to talk, he would write me and say, "When next are you coming?" There were times that I went to D.C. and Virginia. I had a couple other people in Virginia, uh, senior people in government too, who uh, we, I would sit and have counsel with. Now uh, they work in Congress and the Senate, and. Um, I would go there deliberately to see Ramen. We were that close. So I'm still struggling with it. And we can't forget him, and that's why I'm eulogizing him again. He's probably one of the greatest. The, the, the state medical licensing boards in D.C. and Virginia were going after him because of his advocacy for early treatment, etc. Myself and Dr. Harvey Reich, I know for sure, we were helping Ramen behind the scenes prepare for all of his cases. Anytime he had to go in front of the board, he would tell us what he needed. And because he was practicing cardiologist, we would help him pull it together. So he had questions he had to answer about the ineffectiveness of masks because he said that lockdowns, the vaccine. And, and we would just do a review for him, give him the best science so that when he, when he went there, he, he would be fully informed. Anyway, Godspeed, Ramin, and we'll see you in heaven. We will. Anyway, um, we have a lot of reports right now about police officers, military, dying suddenly. You know, and we argue, people like myself, Dr. McCullough, Peter McCullough, Dr. William Marcus, we argue it is due to the COVID mRNA technology-based gene injection. You're seeing medical emergencies dying suddenly, turbo cancers, cancers that were in remission, We have coined this to turbo cancers. These are cancers that already remission and all of a sudden flared up when they took the shot. Uh, we are talking about cancers that the metastasis has been so rapid that someone will be diagnosed on a Monday and Wednesday they will be dead. We don't normally see that in cancer. We see a, a long window post-diagnosis, you know, where there's opportunity for chemo, although I've always said chemo is garbage. Um, and you know, any kind of palliative care, et cetera, despite care, but there's not that. We are seeing a type of cancer right now that 
on diagnosis, the person is dying in a matter of days. It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, the police, the military are the best among us. And for them to be dropping and falling this way is a terrible, terrible situation. And we need autopsies of anyone who dies suddenly today, age inappropriate, because we need to be able to link and document its connection to this fraud gene injection that has killed so many and will kill more. I wanted to bring that, that issue again. Um, you know, uh, it's a very, very tragic situation. And I don't know how else to say it other than, uh, you know, that we have these, I call them dog and pony show trials or hearings in the house. From what I see, we're not gonna get no accountability. This is garbage. These are just Republicans doing a dog and pony to make you feel. No one is going to be held accountable. And that's the tragedy of this. With the thousands, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions that have died due to the COVID policies themselves, due to the lockdowns that killed people, due to the school closures that killed, business closures, shielding, mass mandates. Remember, I remind you again, we see spikes in excess deaths in places like UK, US, other countries, Japan. But why? Why now? Is it is it like in UK, the people, the population is fat? UK population is excessively obese. And we know COVID was very deadly on overweight people, morbid obesity. In the US, a lot of the nurses who died on the front lines were, were, were overweight. They were fat, they were obese. You may be offended, but I'm just saying it as it is. It was very difficult to manage them in the ER when they went in. They couldn't even vent, well, the ventilator killed people, but they couldn't even use the ventilator to kill them. What was killing them is not the ventilator that would have killed them. What was killing them is they couldn't even breathe properly because of the weight. And you know, we have we have the evidence that if you if you put persons in a prone position, move them from the supine position to prone, flatten out on their stomach, arms stretched, you could ventilate or you could, you could introduce oxygen upside down like that in a way that could offer hope and, and people could survive. But you couldn't even, how could you move those people? 400, 500 pounds. It was, it's, I mean, the point I'm making is that we killed most of the people in COVID, not because of this virus. This virus, there was low-hanging fruit initially. This pathogen, whatever it is, whether it was not even a virus, whether it was nanotech technology, whether the mRNA itself was the pathogen, whether the aerosolized something, but it did cause respiratory type illness. Well, well of course, if you, if you inhale anything, whether it's a virus or bacteria or a chemical or a nerve agent or something, sarin, um, uh, 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 yellow cake, ricin, whatever, it's going to cause you respiratory type illness uh, conditions. You had to breathe it in. But the issue is, what if it was the low-hanging fruit died? I, I, I admit that. 
Anyone on the median age of death is 82 to 83 with two to three underlying medical conditions. Anyone who are elderly, fat, underlying medical conditions, you are gonna, you are worse than low hanging fruit. And, and I, look, don't get offended. I'm talking bluntly. These were people who were going to die. They died today from the common cold. They die naturally with pneumonia could set in, in in a few hours and you die in your sleep because you have risk factors. But I am trying to argue with you that the vast majority of people, yeah, you could throw in some dementia in that, you know, you could do all of that. But the vast majority of people would die because of how, because of the non-pharmaceutical interventions that we impose. Those are lockdowns, school closures, et cetera. Those kill people. But it's how we treated them in the medical system that killed the vast majority. Because when you take an elderly person from the hospital where they were getting steady treatment, they were there for a reason. And all of a sudden you say, oh, we have to, we have to take this bed and make it COVID bed. So we had to put them out in the hospital. You send them to a nursing home. You dislocate somebody from an elderly person, they're in trauma, and then they probably had COVID infection. They took it to the nursing homes and vice versa. When they were infected in nursing homes, you brought them to the hospital. And on top of that, we use a fraud, flawed PCR, RT-PCR process. Any cycle threshold over 24 was detecting viral dust. You need to listen to how I'm going to make a statement. It is not that you are not positive for COVID or even a prior coronavirus. It is because the cycle threshold count is over 24. It is you were positive for non-culturable, non-viable, non-lethal, non-infectious COVID. That's the point. Only when the cycle threshold counts were under 24 that we knew that this person was having massive virus load and lethal virus to load. Anything over 24, we knew you were non-infectious and you were non-lethal to anyone around you. We were cycling at 40 and 45. We knew anything over 30 was, was false positive and you were not infectious. Yet we pulled you out of society. We closed schools, we closed businesses, we closed offices, we closed everything. Oh, because Johnny's positive. So we have to send 50,000 people in this building home. But we will not report the cycle count because we knew it was over 24. And we knew the people purists like myself knew that well, that person is non-lethal. That person is not even infectious. Why would you even send them home? Them only. What we did is we used a fraud PCR test. We created a pandemic, a fear of disaster, of hysteria. This was never, ever a pandemic. John Ioannidis. Stanford University modeling. Modeling very early on. Ionides said that the infection fatality rate was not the 3.4% that, that uh, Tedros from WHO said. That crook, that, that criminal, he should be one in jail. He knew. When even Fauci said, well, it was more akin to 1%, he knew he was lying. He was 10 times more. You know what it was? Ionides showed 
that the infection fatality rate for persons 70 to 75 years old and below very early on was 0.05%. Means corrected to 0.04. He showed a person 0 to 19 years old with any, any severe outcomes, top heavy 17 to 19. Everyone below 17 was 0. He showed that the infection fatality rate was 0. 0.0003. That's 0. We have today, across three years, two months in America, I know the data. I see it daily. I see, I see it all. I know all of the data in Germany. I know the data in Sweden. I know the data in Britain. I know the data in the United States. We have not one, zero, not one, one instance, not one of a healthy child zero to 19 years old. Now, 19 is not a child, but let's go with CDC's bogus, laughable definition that a 19, CDC actually says 21 is, up to 21 is pediatric. So, you know, you could finish laughing about that, but let's, let's pretend and accept it. We have not one child in that age group, zero to 21. In America, across three years, two months, since February of 2020, who was exposed to COVID, got infected with COVID and died from COVID. I, I want to say it one more time so your listener could understand. In our first world countries, when we look at your autopsy data, we can find not one healthy child has gotten COVID and died from it. And you might say, scratch it, say, but Paul, that's not what the media told us. We ran the wrong vaccine. We vaccinated some of our kids because they took they lie to you. I am telling you the data. You challenge Walensky and Fauci and all of them, Biden and whomever, all in the Trump administration, show you an example of one child. They cannot. Not one healthy child in this world. I'm going to expand it now for you because we know the data. In the entire world, not one got infected with COVID and died. Influenza kills children. COVID, we knew very early on, spared our children. So all of it was a lie. And we killed our elderly. From the time our elderly touched that emergency room door, and you took or you took granny from the, from, the, from, the, from the nursing home and said, oh, well, granny, look like you have COVID. You know you're going to give up PCR tests that are going to be false positive. So you know you're going to COVID ISA. Once she touches that ER door and enters that first room, emergency room triage, a 28-day mortality was 40%, almost 50. That means she had a 50-50 chance of dying just entering there from some other iatrogenic infection. Iatrogenic means you got it in the hospital. You didn't come with it. You gave her a false positive test, tell her, oh, are you positive? When we knew 99%. 99, I'm telling you, we've now checked the data, 99%, 99%. So 9.9 of every 10 people who we said in 2020 and 2021 and 2022 were positive for COVID were not. That's another thing you need to understand. And another thing you need to understand is the average life expectancy is about 79 to 80 years old. Well, the median age of death of COVID is 83. That means that COVID kills people beyond 
life expectancy. So COVID did not cut life short. We have, we have diseases like Nipah virus, viral disease, um, Ebola, viral hemorrhagic fever, Marburg virus, Rift Valley fever, Q fever, tularemia. We have all of these different conditions with 50, 80% mortality, 90%. You are sure to die. Those conditions are serious. Not this. This was not that. Yet we shut society down. We said granny was positive, and then what did we do? We isolated her quickly in the back room behind a glass window. Nobody could have seen her touch her. Doctors wouldn't touch her, nurses wouldn't. Yeah, granny covered up, and we pulled back to live after. We see granny covered in feces and big, massive maggots because nobody would even change her. Granny and grandpa was there dying. We isolated her. Isolation is the number one killer of elderly people. We sedated her with midazolam and diamorphine. Those two are used in the execution chamber before you introduce the potassium chloride to kill the, 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 the criminal. You have to midazolam them first. It's comatose, you're paralyzed, a paralytic. So they can't fight. That's what we did our elderly. And then, then, we pump her with toxic drugs, more toxic drugs. We impose do not resuscitate orders and Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the third hour of America Out Loud Talk Radio. And you're listening to uh, America Out Loud Talk Radio with Dr. Paul Alexander and his Liberty Hour. Let me say thank you again for, um, for joining and uh, being here as we spread good information to properly inform the public so that you won't be subjected to the cancel and work culture. Uh, before going forward, I wanted to just touch on the issue of uh, die suddenly. We are seeing again, what we are seeing is in 2023, Excess mortality is increasing in a lot of countries, United States, England, France, Japan, etc. What we actually seen is the, the death curves, the mortality curves track very tightly. 
with the uh, vaccine rollout, push shot, some boosters, etc. second, third, fourth. That's something that we need to look at very seriously because you may say that um, a correlation does not mean causation. And you're technically correct. But we are not looking at the same situation here. Um, we are looking at a temporal relationship. We're looking at biological plausibility. We're looking at consistency and all of these factors. And together, we can make firm statements on causation, even with this data. And we're having a bunch of pilots that are dying, dying, um, getting cardiac arrest. Right now, we have confirmed five pilots that have died in the last two months or so from commercial airlines. Um, they've died just before the plane took off, loaded with commercial passengers. And just before the plane landed, a couple of them have died in the cabin, the cockpit. And we're arguing that it's only a matter of time before a commercial airline or two falls from the sky. And we have the case of uh, Eddie Boparian. Uh, he was 48 and 25 years experience with Air Canada as a pilot and Air Transat. And he, and he died suddenly. He's um, at the age of uh, 48. So we need to look at this seriously. Because if pilots have silent myocarditis and pericarditis, due to the mRNA technology vaccine, these are pilots that have huge risks to the populations that fly. And uh, there's been a lot of pushback on us because we are talking about the planes and the pilots. But I continue to talk about the planes and the pilots because it's a very serious matter. If a pilot has myocarditis and you don't rule it out and you let him or her into the cockpit, you don't do the standardized test, the high sensitivity troponin, the D-dimers to detect if there's any clotting. Um, if you don't do those tests, chest MRI with contrast, um, I think it's called gadolinum. These are critical, I argue, we argue before you let pilots fly uh, because the outcome could be disastrous. With the pilots, we have a lot of young people dying suddenly, dying at their desk, dying walking at school, teenagers. And it makes no sense. And in this era of COVID, and die suddenly, we have to be willing to put vaccine on the table. Don't be afraid to. Don't be afraid to. And, you know, I wanted also to discuss, which I think is very important, a report done by Zachary Stiber of Epoch. In my opinion, he has been one of the true COVID warriors, freedom fighters. He's not sold out and in the tank, but actually other bogus and corrupted freedom fighters who are just really whores 
They're $2 pimping whores to me. Pimping off of people's pain and suffering. They know who they are. They know when I say this right now, they know I'm talking to them. I've not yet called them by names, but I will shortly. I'm watching their behavior. And the reality about it is that um, we have a lot of issues because with all of this dies suddenly, the authorities seem to be wanting to sweep it under the rug. I have interviewed with Steiber several times and written stuff for him to publish. He would write a paper and then send me an email, a rapid email saying, I'm going to put this out tonight or tomorrow morning, but I'd like you to read it and bulletproof any areas for me. He needs it. So I've been doing that with him, and I think he's a classy, classy, classy individual, smart, technically sound. He, he wrote a report basically summarizing the findings of Ben et al., B-E-N-N, who wrote a paper publishing cell, okay, saying that um, they pulled, pulled as a statistical technique to, to add studies together, the data, and they pulled the mRNA technology data separate from the adenoviral vector platform data. And they are claiming that based on the analysis, if I recollect it correctly, that the adenoviral vector platform, that vaccine works better than the uh, COVID, the mRNA, or Moderna. Well, I want to tell them that they're wrong. I don't care that it was published in self. The interpretation was flawed methodologically. And the, the whole study was, was flawed. Not fraud, flawed. Uh, the truth of the matter is that Steiber was trying to, to praise Benetal's study saying one of their main conclusions uh, in the paper was that um, the vaccine may have had some benefit, initial benefit, though it's now not working. I think Ben and Tal are doing what we found that's actually very, in my opinion, repulsive. They're trying to play on both sides of the fence. They benefited financially and with fame or whatever on the upside and now want to benefit on the downside. And they're trying to, to me, mislead us because they have several factors in that study that they didn't deal with or treat so that they could tell us how to cope. For example, in pooling the data, the mRNA and the adenoviral vector, when we look at the pool data and we look at the number of events, we look at the number of deaths, and we can see that they equal the number of events. What I'm trying to tell you is that, let me see if I can explain it again another way. If the event number, the outcome number is very small, then the findings are uninterpretable. Not because there's data or results, you could interpret it and say, well, this is the result. No, if the methods was flawed and suboptimal, 
and you're looking at the raw data and you realize in the estimates that uh, these numbers are so small, it makes the estimate very unstable, very suspect, and you can't properly interpret it. You need much more data and information added to that initial result before you can interpret. Remember also that Pfizer hid data. There were about 3,000 persons who took shots and Pfizer removed them from the analysis. That same analysis where Pfizer said that they, they, um, they had 162 events in the control arm and only eight in the treatment arm. And because of that, they computed 95% relative risk reduction. That was flawed, that was fraud. Because by removing the 3,000 subjects, when I, myself, Doshi, et cetera, when we do back of the envelope calculations and we model worst case, best case scenario, and we re-impute data to the raw data from the Pfizer study, we don't get those results. In fact, the 95% relative risk reduction drops below 50% threshold for even granting emergency use authorization. So it's almost like they didn't have the patient important outcomes, et cetera. They didn't have the analysis. They didn't have anything to get emergency use authorization from the FDA. So what did they do? They reported the relative risk reduction, which, which is a garbage estimate right now. We needed to know absolute risk reduction. So, that's the situation. Um, I also want to remind you that it's a classic trick by pharma and by medical community that they will use the term, they will fail to use the term that um, relative risk reduction is not the estimated effect that should be reported in those circumstances. And the ideal estimated effect would have been the absolute risk reduction. That's just the, the absolute risk between two values. What we found is the relative risk reduction is not a proper estimate. It doesn't give a fair calculation. And uh, when you combine that, the fact that I also spoke in one of my blogs, the fragility index, as F-R-A-G-I-L-I-T-Y. My colleague, Mike Walsh, who actually a TA for me, in one of my master's programs. Um, Recently, you know, I went back to some studies that he had done to see. And the fragility index is an issue and a concept that is real. Because the numbers are so small, for example, you may have two deaths in, in one arm and one death in the other. But to me, that's what I mean. And this is the kind of data Pfizer Moderna sent up to the FDA. Two, two deaths in one and one death in the other. That really, um, the fragility index really means that those estimates are so fragile that if I took one of those decks from the two and I put it into the other arm where it now becomes two and the previous two is one, because it can happen so readily, you know, when the outcome numbers are so small, we say don't interpret them because the effect, the estimated effect could actually be reversed. So um, 
I'm trying to see the cyber give them praise, Ben et al. But when you look at what Ben et al wrote, and they grasp and, com and command of the evidence-based medicine area, you could understand why when I read it, I had to go and recreate a lot of the science. And I had to look and read and read and read because it made no sense. And I am basically saying in my blog that Benetal are wrong. And Steiber himself should tweak his paper because he's making a report based on what Benetal told him. But Benetal are wrong. The vaccine was not efficacious. It was not effective. It did not sterilize the virus. Um, and that's the issue. And uh, because, um, you know, we have a lot of publications and a lot of these people don't know what the hell they're writing, what they did they're analyzing, and they just, they write a bunch of junk and garbage. Let's just put it that way. Wanna be nice and gentle this evening? Junk, garbage. So I wanted to touch on that um, situation that Stiber did really good, but he's basically parroting back what the authors Benetal said. And Benetal were wrong. So Stiber should uh, go back and uh, readjust his, uh, his conclusions. And um, what I wanted to talk to you now quickly about is that uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. I've tried to make myself clear before I'm gonna make it again. I like him. I like his principal stance on issues that I have stances on so we have a lot of things in common. Um, I think he's a principal man and I think in another EU or another time, this Robert Kennedy Jr. will probably make a good president. But not today. We have serious issues on hand with Trump, and I myself want to get Trump back into the White House. We have an NIH that needs gutting, a CDC does an abject failure, NIEID, and HHS is just, at some points I don't know what to say anymore. Look, I want to take, a, take the opportunity. So thank you again for uh, listening to the Malcolm Outloud and Martha Outloud radio station. And thank him again for his benevolence of me, you know, by giving me an opportunity. Because he doesn't. There are many people out there looking for opportunities, and um, I'm not better than them. But I'm trying to say that uh, Kennedy is somebody I admire. I'm not with him on his politics. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a more of an independent conservatarian. You know, she's like, and uh, that's an important thing for me to say. Um, there's, there's also one other thing that I want to touch base on right now. We really have a serious problem with fentanyl. And uh, I mentioned it in the first segment. But it's something that I can't be liked with. It's something that no one should make light of. It is very, very deadly. And uh, 
if you have kids, you can harm them greatly. Some parents in the United States right now in entering the situation where they will only give their kids um, uh, in, in this situation, some parents would not under any condition um, allow their children to get these shots under any condition. And the kind of drugs and stuff, the shots, the risk in school with this fentanyl, the car fentanyl. Some parents right now are talking about giving their children fentanyl strips. Don't know if you've heard of it. That's what I was trying to remember. Where their daughters and their sons, especially teens or even younger, will take these strips with them into the bathroom on their desk where they sit in the day. Because if another child had fentanyl in their bag on their system, it could kill them. Thank you very much.